Welcome to the Birthing Instincts Podcast. I'm Dr. Stuart Fishbein, community-based practicing obstetrician and longtime advocate for birth choices. And I'm Bliss Young, a licensed midwife. Join us in our conversational style podcast where we talk about everything birth. Sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry, but we're happy that you're here. So here we go. This, this is a Soul Fire production. production. Good morning. It's early for us. Good morning. Well, I have to move along today. So, but look, I got back my love more cup. We've been reunited. Oh, did somebody send it to you or you left it up there? I left it with my aunt and I'm visiting her in Pacific Grove. So, yay. So, what are you going to do in Pacific Grove? I've been here for two days, just hanging out and uh, <laughs> visiting with family. And then um, I'm going to drive on to Sacramento and see my boys and uh, be there for a month unless something has me float away. You have nobody due right now. So you have a window. I'm off call. Nice. No, nice. I took I took July off intentionally. I could have had several clients, especially with um, Dr. Drake leaving. I had lots of inquiries, but I prioritized time with family because I won't have it again until December. So um, this is how we live a balanced life as we make sure that we take time off. This is really true. And I'm going to end the podcast today with a little tribute. So we'll, we'll talk more about, you know, prioritizing what, what's important. That's really cool. Um, any, you had, so you had any bursts last week at all? No, we talked about on the last podcast we did, we talked about my last birth, but you know, what did come up yesterday yeah. was, um, it was the one year anniversary of me being on hope. Oh. One year, one year ago, yesterday, I left Los Angeles. And we've missed you every day since. Uh, <laughs> but I thought that was significant. A whole year I've done it. So. Yeah. You yeah. know what the, you know what we say about even numbers and their significance, though? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. we still have, we still contribute. We can, we can have tributes to, to those sorts of anniversaries. They're kind of fun. My friend said, that's a lot of one days at a time. And I said, yep. <laughs> that's that's actually a great way to put it. Yeah. Well, let's see. Let me bring you up to speed on me. First of all, um, I cannot buy cod, shrimp, and sole fancy feast cat food anymore because <laughs> so when I open it and give it to the cats, it makes my apartment smell like I have bacterial vaginosis. <laughs> Still. <laughs> you know what I mean? Birth workers know what I'm talking about. So. It, it's just really fishy in here this morning. <laughs> I'm sticking with the chicken and the beef and the other stuff because the fishy okay. stuff. Really you fishy. don't like it. Yeah. Okay. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, humor is good and, uh, yeah. and especially and gynecologic humor is really hard to come by. So there, we just had a little bit. Um, so I just, I had a fun week. I, I went to Vegas uh, oh, yeah. to meet my buddy and it was what you do every year, right? Well, yeah, except the last two years, uh, two years ago it was canceled and last year you had to be vaccinated to play. So I went to the world series of poker, but I only played in one event, but it's kind of a funny thing because I got there and I needed to decompress. So I took a day off and then the next day I decided, no, I'm going to take it. I'm not, there was nothing I could play. I went to, I went to the world series to play in the daily deep stack and they canceled it. And I've never had that happen before. Now they moved the World Series from the Rio to the Bali's and the Paris Hotel, 
And I think that there's a dealer shortage. I think that everyone agrees that they don't have enough dealers because of COVID or because of unemployment or they're not paying enough. I met a lot of the dealers I met, met that come from other states just to, because they got called in because they were offered enough money to come and pl- to deal. But I'd never been to a, uh, an event that got canceled because they just didn't have enough dealers or tables available. So hopefully they'll get it together. This is their first year hosting it, but you'd think they would have figured it out in the past. And so I didn't play at all. And then Saturday morning, my buddy Lex and I um, left Vegas and drove back to LA because his wife was babysitting his grandson and he was just going to surprise her for 24 hours. And I was coming in because I got invited to go see Brandy Carlisle at the Greek. And I didn't really know who Brandy Carlisle was, but I got invited and I, and I thought I would go because I like going to live music and I like being invited places. So um, I went and it was great. It was a great concert. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, um, the Greek is a great venue for people that haven't been there. It's outdoor. It's outdoors. Um, beautiful night in L.A. And then we got that in the morning. I, I picked up Lex and we drove back to Vegas. So 24 hour turnaround. It's about a four, four and a half hour drive in no traffic, which there wasn't on the weekend. Yeah. And then on uh, Monday, I wasn't feeling good. So I didn't play Monday. And then Tuesday, I played in the in the Super Seniors Tournament. And the super senior tournament was for people over 60. So I'm a, I'm a super senior. And I can tell you that most of the, most of the jokes about the super senior was, had to do with where's the bathroom. So <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> you're playing with all oh, these old, old women and old men and old codgers, but it was good to see there were some women playing and it was, it was fun. And, and I actually made it through, there were over 2,800 entries into this tournament and I made it to the second day. So we were down into the 600s, but I was relatively short stacked. And then what happened that morning was that a client that I was on the couch for that knew that if I was available, I'd be there. And if I wasn't available and somebody that, you know, because you were, you took care of them before, um, Mm -hmm. uh, was in labor and she's a multip. So I went to the tournament on the second morning and I, you know, firsthand, I could go all in on, I, I went all in on and, uh, I was behind. I had ace jack against ace king. And on the turn, a jack came up. So I only had three outs and a jack came up. So then I'm thinking, okay, well, I guess I'm going to stay longer. I might miss the berth. And and then on the river, of course, a king came up. So he only had three outs and he pulled up a king. So he beat me. I was wiped out, got back in my car. And I was meant to be back in Los Angeles for this berth, which unfortunately as a multip was surprising because it took I was on the couch for more than 20 hours. Now people would say, well, why did you stay? Well, first of all, she's a multip. And her last birth went really very precipitously. And and secondly, she lives in a place that really didn't have access, easy, quick access to get back to. She lives in Malibu and it's over the hill. And if there's traffic or whatever, it can take an hour to get over the hill. So we just hung out and, uh, in the morning, she, you know, after patience on the team and her extreme endurance and perseverance, uh, determination on her part, which was just awesome. Again, the awesome power of women to watch them go through this. Her contractions were only about 10 minutes apart. The and, whole time. You know, we, and we tried, oh, we tried the ice cream trick, uh-huh. you know, that somebody had suggested to us. Yeah. Except all, all it did was make her throw up. So. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> but she, oh, wow. she she makes a big deal out of me trying to feed her spoonfuls of ice cream. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so she got to the point where she was really exhausted. So he said, let's check you. So she was completely dilated at zero station. So we talked about the pros and cons of AROMing. And, you know, I just saw a post yesterday. Somebody put up that AROM is an intervention and carries with it significant risk. I wouldn't say the risk is significant, but she's talking about like a velamentous insertion where the blood vessels run in the membranes and stuff. But you can kind of tell when that's the case or not the case. And especially with these clients who we know and we've done ultrasounds on them and we can, we can feel, but they, they chose, they wanted to be ruptured. So then um, ruptured her and she started pushing. And after about eight contractions, she delivered the baby, but it took an hour and a half because the contractions were 10 minutes apart. Hmm. Very and interesting. She had, and she had a nine pound, two ounce baby, which was about over two pounds bigger than her last. Yeah, that might be why. Huh? Yeah, it remained OT. It was, you know, who knows why? We don't, you know, we don't know why. There were a lot of things that could have been going right. on in her head and and her, some family members were sleeping in the car on the street. Again. Her, again, you know the story. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, but that was great. So it was actually the first birth that I was planned to be at since March. Wow. Well, congratulations to them. Yeah. 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 They're, they're in heaven. We went to see them for postpartum visit. Um, so I have, um, we're going to talk today a little bit about um, two questions, right? Yep. We are that we got um, when we had a live audience and they were a little deep uh, for that for that day. We needed to put a little bit more thought into them, but we told them that we would answer them in a cup, upcoming podcast. So here it is. Yeah. So um, before, oh, before before we do that, before, I've got a couple more things, too, as well. Go ahead. OK, um, well, yesterday, I think you told me a little bit about um, this birth and you said something about dysfunctional labor. And so it got me to thinking that I want to start um, a trend of getting rid of the term dysfunctional labor, because we have all of these things that we talk about, like delayed cord clamping, out of hospital birth, incompetent cervix, failure to progress, you know, which has this context, like there's something wrong. And I know that we've been seeing um, what we think we've been seeing is a lot more of these longer labors. Um, I had my friend, Tanya, who was the midwife that I was going to partner with up in slow. I, as I was driving up here, um, I stopped and had lunch with her and she was waiting on a mom uh, who was 42 weeks, very similar to what I had last week. Um, who was just kind of petering in and out of labor. And, um, you know, once they get going, they usually get going and their body kind of gets organized. But it, it's just interesting that we have this context that there's something wrong with that, you know? And I think that that leads us to feeling impatient and intervening and, you know, doing all of these things. But um, I'd like to get rid of that term. What do you hey, think? So so yes, yeah. I think that's, I think you're getting rid of that term or are getting rid of that term is more important than the practitioner provider uh, thing that I've always tried to get rid of. So yeah, I think that's brilliant. And I think when you said getting rid of the term out of hospital birth makes hospitals seem the norm or getting delayed cord clamping as if, as if delayed is something that has to be, has to have an adjective. Yeah. I believe they call it optimal cord clamping. I think that's what it, but yeah. 
Well, there's, so, there's well, there is the optimal thing is to not clamp the cord at all. Yeah. Unless there's a reason to clamp the cord. Like we always say, we, all, we always add a little caveat at the end. Yeah. Right? So what if, you know, what if we just say something like, you know, her, her labor meandered or it was, you know, slow pace. I always talk to my clients about um, the fact that I believe that the baby's personality is coming through in the labor. So I, I have to tell you that the two, the two birth witches that were there uh, supporting her along with me <laughs> uh, kept saying the same thing. Oh, you're in for it now. This, <laughs> this, and they didn't know the sex of the baby at the, until the baby came out. So we couldn't say, you know, this is a boy or this is a girl, whatever, but we, but, oh, you're in for it now. This, this baby's telling you that, you know, if you want to get out of the house at eight in the morning, you better start getting ready at six, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it really is so individual each, you know, I think that as a multip, as we would say, so someone who's having another baby, I think we assume, and they assume that the second one is going to be fast. Um, and maybe we should just stop having any expectations and just really, um, Hayes is one of the birth witches. I think that you were talking about that was there. And she just has such words of wisdom that I love. I call them hazisms. And one of them is, you know, that, um, the mystery of birth, you know, if like, we just really keep coming to it from this beginner's mind and really, um, each time have it be exactly as it is meant to unfold for that mom and that baby and that family, rather than having any expectation. So, yeah, you caught me. I mean, you're right. I I'm trying to get away from things like algorithms and, and timetables and stuff all the time, but the term dysfunctional labor is, is a remnant. it's a yeah well it's a remnant of my medical training and those yeah. things sort of come up all the time so you're yeah, right and it's it's not just you people midwives use that term all the time so you know i think that just kind of like we like to do on the podcast just kind of challenging the norm and having us think a little bit differently about things that we've said or done um so that was those are my thoughts for today okay and um, before we get to the two, the two lingering questions, I've got a couple of letters to go over and a quick uh, COVID update, but, but let's do uh, uh, support one of our sponsors, uh, Element. I have to tell you that I, I, got a, I finally got a gift box from Element. Yeah. And I got some water bottles and I got some sample things and I tried. <laughs> I got water bottles. Yeah, they got Element water bottles. They're, they're over on the other side. I don't want to get from my computer, but I left them over by the front door, but. But yeah, so I'm excited about that. So one is for you eventually. Great. See you next time. Great. I have it. I have it in my car. Um, anyway, so Element uh, is one of our sponsors. They've been a sponsor with us now for quite a while, and it's a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means a lot of salt with no sugar and none of the BS like none us. Yes, right. It's formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs and is perfectly suited for. Folks on a keto, low-carb, or paleo diet, but we like to say it's it's great for women in labor, helps replace your electrolytes, um, and it's great for birth workers, and it's great for people who are working out, and especially on the hot summer days when you're sweating, you're losing salt. So Element would be a good supplement to the other things like you that you might want to have at your barbecue, like watermelon and hot dogs and Element. So enjoy your uh, hope. Well, this won't come out till after the fourth, but in other words, all summer long, when you're thirsty. Drink Element. It comes in some great flavors. Do you remember them? Watermelon salt, chocolate salt, citrus salt, um, mango chili. What That's am I missing? Favorite. Yeah. Yeah. 
lemon habanero, yeah, raspberry salt, and uh, grapefruit salt, as well as um, raw unflavored. That's right. Yeah. So for so, people who don't like the sweeteners or don't like the fake tasting, they can just have raw unflavored. Uh, so if you if you decide to uh, support us by supporting our sponsor, you can go to drinkelement.com. That's L- drinklmnt.com and use the code word birthing instincts, birthing instincts. And you're going to get um, a free sample pack with whatever order you put in. So um, order some stuff, use birthing instincts and support our podcast. Thanks so much. Thanks, Element. Okay, so I have a letter. I have two letters that I thought I found very moving, both of them in different ways. So one is um, from Ashley in Chattanooga. And Tennessee, right? Chattanooga, Tennessee. Chattanooga, Tennessee. Right? Mm-hmm. There's probably a song about that. Chattanooga Choo Choo or something like that. Yeah, it makes me think of the train, Chattanooga. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> you want to sing it for us? Uh, not today, thanks not today. for the invitation, though. Okay. No, <laughs> no karaoke on the uh, on the podcast today? All right. Next time. Next time. Dear Dr. Stu, a midwife friend in my community happened to nonchalantly mention your workshop to me yesterday. I'm not sure this is dated like this is about a week old, week and a half old. The day before I had a call with my business mentor, who after crunching numbers showed me how my hourly rate for childbirth education was more than double that for my home birth midwifery practice. Mm-hmm. My husband is going through a chemo and my kids are young. So the entire equation of why would I incur the additional stress, fatigue, liability, and unknown of midwifery's practice at this time in my life wasn't lost on me. I didn't really have a good answer. I felt silly justifying these costs of, quote, doing the work right now. And it felt selfish to pursue more midwifery in a time where everything was spiraling to settle down in my life. This conversation with a friend piqued my inquiry. I began to look into your teaching offerings around the country. Practically, I would love to know how one versus the two-day weekend is preparing for breech birth out of hospital. That's another topic for another day. And just remember the joy of sitting in a room completely focused on midwifery and having the opportunity to dream about making care better. But again, I felt foolish to justify the cost of going to one of your workshops and travel logistics and, and the like. Then this morning... I came to your website to write to you about workshop questions, and I noticed something, something that struck a chord with me. You mentioned in the About Birthing Instincts section that we must do this for our daughters. Mm. I have one, too. She's nine. In a conversation with the same business mentor, he said, every time you talk about midwifery, you get so passionate. I'm a ruminator, obviously, so comment was lodged and circling in the back of my brain And it occurred to me, as I said to my husband, that the reason I am so passionate is because of what is at stake for our daughter and what I want her options to be when the time comes. The more scheduled birth becomes, the less of an option spontaneous labor will be. Then she said something which I tried to look it up to find out if she made it up or if it's a quote, because it really is profound. And she says, the train barrels out of control to the end of convenience. The train barrels out of control to the end of convenience. And it's not a quote that's on the internet that I could find. So she made that up. I could go on as I already have, but a little voice when I have never heard before said to me driving around the midwifery school, the biggest lie you believe about midwifery is that it will not be to the benefit of your children. Mm -hmm. So while I am hoping to join you in Sedona or Greenville soon, 
I want you to know how much it means to me that you also have our girls in mind. Mm -hmm. Sincerely, Ashley Bennett. It's a beautiful letter. Yeah. And while this was hovering in my folder and stuff like that, um, our friend um, uh, Marin from Indie Birth posted a post yesterday. It's a short little video where she talks about MIAC. You know what MIAC is? Um, MIAC accredited schools? Yeah. Uh She calls it another annoying acronym, which is uh, (laughs) alliteration. Stands for Midwifery Education Accreditation Council. Uh And she says that the MIAC is now kind of purposely muddle its way in between people who want to be midwives, CPMs, and the schools. So they they accredit schools. And in order to get a CPM license, you have to go to a MIAC accredited school. So not only does MIAC control who can become a midwife, but now they control the, how they're educated and what's, totally. on the, what's on the curriculum. Totally. So I'm not sure that this is really good for our daughters either. So that's why I'm a big supporter of this independent midwifery thing that we're trying to get off the ground. Yeah. Okay. Wait, she changed, she changed the name of it. What is it now? The Sanctuary? Indie Birth Sanctuary and some long... Thing that goes after that <laughs> shoot we should know this it's about uh, life yeah Did you know you? what my i only have so much bandwidth in my brain for stuff and, and, <laughs> and that wasn't that wasn't part of it okay hey, like, uh, a quick, um can i i want to do two things yes I I love when, by the way i love when you push me around <laughs> you're welcome i love being bossed um, around <laughs> um so I, I haven't read a review in a long time, and um, I wanted to remind you guys, because we usually talk about it at the end, it's kind of the pre-recording end, and so those of you that listen all the time, you probably don't listen to it all the way to the end, um, but it's great for you to go on to the um, app that you normally listen to the podcast and do a review, because it helps other people find our podcast, and as you know, Our commitment is to um, helping people have a broader perspective of what all of this means. So um, this one is from Esther Grubbs, and she says, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Five stars, of course. Um, Thank you for your bravery and speaking out so candidly. You are the voice of reason in this insane world. And although I don't agree with all of your thoughts and opinions, I so greatly appreciate you not pushing political correctness and the woke agenda and cowardly people pleasing. This podcast has truly shaped me as a birth worker and grown my confidence. So, you know, I think that this is such a, it's such a great um, reflection of what you and I stand for as a team, because we also don't agree on everything all the time. And um, in this, in this world of so much divisiveness, it's really important to us to continue to um, show love and respect for each other and to bridge these conversations. And so it's rippling out into the world and I'm proud of us for that. And so thank you so much, Esther, for sharing with us your thoughts. And we hope that more of you will do the same. I like when you use terms like rippling out in the world. I have, to write, them, I have to write them down because. Uh, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I keep notes on some of the brilliant things that you say. So yeah. sometimes, sometimes we use them for the title of the podcast or that, or at least in the subtitle of the podcast. Yeah. 
Uh, you guys don't know, but Stu really like a lot of times is really like trying to come up with the most clever thing to say about the title. It's a fun thing for him. He really loves doing that. Yeah, and and, and our producers have sometimes like <laughs> said, "Calm down, all right." But if you look um, back, also, if, if if you look back through the titles of our podcasts early on with Brian and yeah. stuff like that, yeah, some really clever titles and stuff. Yeah, like that, right. They are I had very fun with funny. that. Yeah. Um, and so since you were talking about your classes, I wanted because I feel like I'm running out of time with the podcast because we're always ahead a couple of weeks. I wanted to mention a couple of things that I'm doing. One is that um, in August, I'm starting a birth keeper mentoring program. It's the second time I've done this. Um, I really love, 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 love doing this. Um, and it really is about creating community with like-minded people. So I know a lot of people reach out to me and say, thank you so much. Um, you know, I really love that I have other people that think like me. And I think in this world right now, it's really important to find your tribe. So, and, and then there will be one-on-one time with me to be able to talk about whatever your goals are as a birth keeper. So if it's, you know, growing your business or if it's going deeper and really reconnecting with that soul um, inspiration, um, that is what I'm up for in the world. And so I would love for you to reach out if you're interested in working more deeply with me and a, and a community of like-minded birth keepers. And then the other one is, uh, with my lovely, uh, what do you call her? Birth witch. Mm-hmm. Hayes, um, who has been on our podcast before, who I love, love, love working with. She's going to be coming up to Santa Barbara again, um, September, um, 23rd and 25th. Um, and we would love for you to join us for the innate journey, um, birth keepers retreat. It's the fourth one that we've done and it just keeps getting better and better and better. So, um, reach out to me if that's something that you want to find out more about. Yeah. How could you have a better time than hanging out with bliss and haze? <laughs> we call it team blaze. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how do people reach you, uh, the best way to, if they want to talk about this birth keeper mentoring program? I would say the best thing to do is email me bliss at birthingbliss.com. As you know, my name is spelled with a Y. Um, sometimes if you guys reach out to me on Instagram, although it's fun, <laughs> I, I lose track of them. So I think email is the best. Thanks too. Okay. So this is a complete 180 from that lovely. <laughs> okay. You said. But I have, to, I have to talk about it because we, I think we did mention it in last week's podcast. Um, so this is a, a brief update on um, COVID vaccines for kids under five. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, despite a massive media and government pressure campaign, American parents are overwhelmingly rejecting COVID vaccines for their young children. Woo-hoo. About one week after the shots became available, barely 1% of children under five have received mRNA jabs for COVID. Data from several states show, even in California, among the bluest states, only about 2% of kids under five have been jabbed. Right. Yeah. Demand is likely to be near zero going forward. The recent history of COVID shots shows that the increasing tiny minority of mRNA fanatics get themselves or their children jabbed or boosted quickly after regulators okay new doses. So pent-up desire for new shots is likely non-existent. As usual, the elite media outlets have largely refused to acknowledge this reality instead writing endless articles that seek to normalize and encourage these shots. CNN uh, did something recently where they talked to one of our non-friends of the podcast, Dr. Leanna Wen, who I've mentioned several times. 
And she, uh, uh, some interviewer asked her, let's start off with your family, Dr. Wen. You have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Have you gotten them vaccinated yet? Dr. Mm -hmm. Leanna Wen. Yes, with an exclamation point. I called my pediatrician's office as soon as the FDA authorized the vaccine and let them know I wanted my kids to get vaccinated at the earliest possibility. The earliest appointment was last Monday, about a week after the kids in the six months to five-year age group first started getting their shots. So I'm glad that Leanna Wen feels very comfortable putting this stuff into her kids. Um, but I would really wonder, I would like to see her children's medical records because I know that they say things that they don't mean and they don't follow. They have, there's a hierarchy of what they do and what, you know, what's good for you is not necessarily good for, for me. Um, and so they tell people to do stuff, but then you, they get caught all the time, not doing it. So Leanna Wen has been caught lying before. So I wouldn't be surprised if she's lying now. And that's all, leave it at that. Don't vaccinate your children, period. Okay. And that's the end of Dr. Stu's opinion piece. Yes, except it's not opinion, it's fact. <laughs> <laughs> it's as much fact as what Dr. Leanna Wentz says, isn't it? Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, I mean, wait, wait, we have the same level of education. This is true. And I'm very glad that statistically people um, are are making that decision. I think that's that's good. Got some common sense going on there. Wouldn't it be interesting if we could get Dr. Le Leanna Wen to be a guest on the podcast? Sure. <laughs> yeah, that would last about three minutes, and then she'd get up and walk off the off the set. But uh, okay, so now I have a really another interesting letter, which I thought. First of all, I love the name of the person that sent it, so I'll I'll get to that in a minute. But she goes, "Hi, Dr. Stu. I just want to say I'm a huge fan of your podcast with Bliss." I listened throughout my whole pregnancy and it gave me peace and the knowledge I gained was so helpful to me to be able to make informed decisions. Just like you said, Bliss. Mm -hmm. I had a hospital birth and listening to you and Bliss gave me the strength to be able to basically decline everything. Great. <laughs> and avoid any intervention they tried to push. I was able to have a completely natural birth in the hospital. I felt so confident and assured in all my decisions and I'm so thankful. Oh, that's awesome. I'm writing you to ask about something I experienced after my four week checkup at my OB this morning. She said that basically after my babies, why do we, why don't people use the word basically? It's something that's gotten, it's, it's kind of edged its way into the English language, mm -hmm. but it's one of those words like, like, like it's a filler word. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. So I, I use it all the time and I'm trying to catch myself when I use it. But basically after my baby's head came out, her shoulder got, quote, stuck, unquote, and the delivering doctor had to shift her to the other side, and she came out. The whole thing took an extra five seconds. She came out almost immediately after her head popped out. She was acting like it was a, such a serious event, and that I'm so lucky it wasn't worse. She said, because of this, for my next birth, they strongly recommend a cesarean section because wow. it, could, it could maybe happen again. Yeah, uh, wow, it's good. Mm -hmm. When I pressed her about this, why this was even a big deal or what risk factors are from having her shoulder be slightly stuck during delivery. I of course was met with your favorite word, BS, general answers that were of no help to me at all. I also asked if this was something I'm predisposed to, which she said, no, that it's basically a mystery as to why it happened, but that I have more of a chance of it happening again for my next delivery, but she didn't have an answer as to why that could be the case. So 
once you hear these things, you can never unhear them on Dr. Stu's. It's not my podcast, but Dr. Stu and Bliss's podcast. I, sorry, I regressed there for a second. On the Birthing okay. Instincts podcast, uh-huh. is that when someone says you have more of a chance, that means absolutely nothing. Right. Right. <laughs> right. I, I have more of a chance of dying today than I did yesterday. Yeah. Right. Okay. So mm-hmm. I'm asking if you have any knowledge of this event and if it really is a big deal or not. Should I be concerned about this for my next delivery? Look what the seeds they planted in her. Look what they've done. Yeah. yeah. I absolutely refuse to get a C-section and I'm planning a home birth for my next delivery because my medical experience during my whole pregnancy and delivery was less than desirable. I was completely shocked. Well, I guess not really after watching COVID go down with how the hospital system is a complete scam and they try to push and scare you into so many things that actually make your birth traumatic. I'm very thankful that, to have the natural birth I did. It was a beautiful experience. And I really feel like they are doing everything in their power to make me think it was in some way traumatic. I hope I've explained this well since it just happened and I'm livid about it. So I'm sure I'm all over the place with this message. But I really just wanted to hear you and Bliss, your and Bliss's perspective since I trust you both so much. Now, I'm glad she wrote us right away, because if she followed the other birthing instincts rule would have been to sit on it for a day and then it probably wouldn't have bothered her so much. And she probably wouldn't have written this letter. And then we wouldn't be able to discuss this in front of all the people that are going to be listening to this. So I'm glad that you had an immediate reaction. Oh, and everything is perfectly fine with my baby's shoulder. She had it checked on multiple times in the hospital and there's no damage or anything like that. Thank you for everything you do. It's much appreciated. And it's signed Fox Mulder 111. <laughs> okay. Do people know who Fox Mulder is? No, I don't. You, you don't? Uh uh-uh. uh. They are out there? No. X Files? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I'm dating <laughs> myself, but Fox and Mulder were the two, uh, two cops uh-huh. on X Files. And, and I love it because they are out there. The aliens <laughs> have taken <laughs> over the hospital system. And they are out there and they're trying to uh, control us. So I wrote back, there's not much I can teach you. It's everything you said is so perceptive. Run from that doctor. He, she does not know anything. And what little they think they know is either out of context or so poorly explained and drenched in their fear. While shoulder dystocia can rarely be severe and a problem, which yours was clearly wasn't, it is not likely to recur, not predictable and not a problem in skilled hands. Recommending a cesarean as best in the future in your situation is actually negligent. Mm -hmm. They do not understand much of anything about the value of a woman places on giving birth. So to them, a scheduled cesarean is just a minor thing that is actually more convenient to them, not the client, and ends up with a baby in the bassinet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, shoulder dystocia, as we've talked about before, is a baby that usually, I mean, sometimes we have what we call a fat dystocia. So you have a really big baby that sometimes just gets, you know, they just have a hard time getting out, but a true shoulder dystocia can happen in any size baby. And it really is that they, um, as babies come through the pelvis, they do these cardinal movements. So they do this rotation that we would kind of expect with each baby, although it's organic. So sometimes different things happen. And in this situation, the baby doesn't fully rotate. So the shoulders get stuck behind the pubic bone and you have to actually go in with your hands and do maneuvers to be able to release them. In my opinion, my definition of a shoulder dystocia, when I'm 
working on somebody. That's the true definition. So if you have to just change a position of the mom or, you know, gently nudge the baby over and their shoulder is released, I don't believe that's a true shoulder dystocia. But the um, analogy that I thought of as you were telling that story about like the likelihood of a shoulder dystocia being a repeat is like, you know, imagine that you were at a restaurant and you were eating and you started choking and someone had to do the Heimlich maneuver, you know, should you never eat again and only do a feeding tube for the rest of your life because you might actually choke again, you know? Um, No, but you should, you should eat all your meals at the emergency room. (laughs) Right. It's, you know, that someone making that recommendation is very similar. So um, your instincts, obviously you're in touch with your instincts. And so that's really great for you to know that this just didn't feel right. What she was telling he, she was telling you. Um, That's funny. I assumed it was a woman. Um, So I say, is it possible for you to have a home birth next time? Um, I know you had a really beautiful unmedicated uh, delivery in the hospital, but maybe up level next time and, and actually be able to deliver at home. I will definitely be pursuing a midwife when I'm ready to have a baby again. Okay. okay. The hospital okay. I gave in birth, the hospital I gave birth in has the highest C-section rate in my area. Whoa. And I can see why definitely won't be going back. Okay. <laughs> I didn't read, I didn't read the last part of her thing. Cause Great. Um, yeah. So yeah, this, this, in this particular instance, this probably wasn't even a shoulder dystocia. Yeah. Doesn't sound five seconds. Doesn't sound like it to me. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. And they didn't have um, to do anything, but slightly rotate the baby. They didn't no super pubic pressure, no posterior. Uh, it, yeah. And, and something that lasts five seconds, is that really a shoulder dystocia? Uh, um, and, and maybe they, maybe it was because they just were so impatient to get the baby out. Once the head came out, they started pulling on the head and they they caused more of a problem than they. Yeah. Yeah. Or impatience. Exactly. Right. Um, so I have a, I have a question from Instagram that I would like to ask you. Okay. And then we're going to take a break for a second and then we're going to get to our two questions. Okay. Okay. Uh, our two questions, although we've been having a lot of questions. Um, it says, <laughs> hi, I need help. I'm 28 weeks with twins, although this was written a couple weeks ago. Um, I've been planning a home birth with them here in Texas with a midwife who knows twins and breaches. Also seeing an MFM at my midwife's request. My husband's job is relocating to Kalispell, Montana in three weeks. Montana doesn't allow midwife assisted home birth for twins. What are my options? other than to go to the hospital. That is absolutely my last resort in my book. Me and my babies are perfectly healthy. I also have two previous uncomplicated pregnancies and birth under my belt. So what's your recommendation for someone who's in Montana? Well, I, I, I put out feelers to people in Montana to see if they knew anybody that's near Kalispell. Mm-hmm. Um, I did send her a, a, a reference to somebody but also because I got that same message, but mm-hmm. she just messaged me yesterday, I believe, and said, you know what? We've decided to stay in Texas and have our For babies that reason? to have their babies where they can Perfect. have their babies. Oh, they good. said that the job was important, but the family's more important. Wow. Okay, right. good. Great. Well, well it's that's great fun. that you read that because I, I just saw I'm, I'm pretty sure it's exactly the same person because yeah. how many Kalispell people can there possibly be? I mean, yeah. I know there's two Billings people out there. Um, two twins within five days of each, six days of each other do in both in Billings, Montana. At a time, I'm going to be in Montana. I think we briefly talked about that before, but let's yeah, not, yeah. 
dwell okay, on Okay, well, yes. Michelle and family, congratulations on, um, on resolving that. Okay. okay. All right, so uh, before we get to uh, the mystical, magical two questions, <laughs> <laughs> it's, become, it's becoming a mystery. We'll probably we probably run out of time. We won't get to the two questions today. Again. Yeah, again. Um, let's talk about our other great sponsor right now, and that is Bamboo Beads. Say it twice. Okay, twice. Bamboo Beads. All right, it's Bamboo Beads. <laughs> and Bamboo Beads is it is an amazing company that has been a longtime supporter of the podcast. Um, they have a beautiful line of environmentally conscious products for mom and baby. And, um, it all start, our relationship all started with my love affair with these, um, heart-shaped reusable breast pads, um, and the renewable source that bamboo is. And they, I love them for that reason, but also because of the heart shape specifically so that it doesn't show through your clothing. So, um, but they've expanded their line so much. They have so many beautiful products. I really encourage you to go and check it out um, and use the code that we have um, so that you can get a, a lovely discount and support us and Bamboobies. Um, teas, salves, um, uh, tanks that are great for breastfeeding. So they have a, a lot of amazing stuff. And I think it would be wonderful to go on and buy something for the next time you have to give a gift and, and we have to support us. And we have some of the greatest listeners because I got an email or a message on Instagram yesterday from somebody who said, you know, my husband's a runner and he gets chafing on his, on his nipples from his shirt when he runs. Yeah. And, and she says, this is something you could use the reusable breast pads to oh. protect on a male. So I Love thought, that, I, I mean, I, can't figure out how would they stay in place though. I'm not quite sure how that would work, but uh, <laughs> you know, if you could come up with a clever way of uh, uh, um, um, what was it in Seinfeld? A, a man bra, it was called a, I forgot what it was called, but you know, something way to hold them in place. So yeah. there's all kinds of things, but they do have a really nice boutique with um, as you said, balms and salves and teas and other gifts. So check it out, go to bamboobies.com, use the code word instincts. You get 25% off your purchase. Um, that's bamboobies.com, code word instincts. Thanks, bamboobies. Thanks, bamboobies. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't go anywhere, actually. Okay. So, when, so we were, when we were in Santa Barbara doing our Thursday Night Live in Santa Barbara, um, huh? we uh, got questions from people in the audience. And there were, we went through some of them, but there were a couple that you thought were just a little bit needed a little bit more time and a little bit yeah. more thought put into them because they are, they're good questions and there is no, it's not a black and white answer. It's not like, well, if she's got low on her hemoglobin, she needs to take iron. I mean, that's, or whatever. It's not that simple. So the first question is, how do we talk about the immense power and possibility of birth? without making women who had standard medicalized birth feel bad. I want to hear what you have to say first. Well, because I don't, well, first of all, my job is to speak truth <laughs> and try not to be harsh about it, but to speak truth and not temper the truth so I don't make people feel bad. You're always going to make somebody feel bad. <laughs> okay, yeah. that's just the way it works. 
can't please so, everyone. I think it's so important. Um, and what I did, uh, I cheated a little bit, I have to tell you. I, I sent out feelers on this particular question to a bunch of my birthkeepers friends. Love it. Love it. And uh, one of them came back and said, sort of what I would feel, only she's a little more blunt and harsh than I would be on the podcast. But she said, it's not my responsibility to make everyone feel good. I do try to find words that don't inflict guilt or shame, though. I think part of it is, too, I've had both experiences, a very medicalized induction cesarean birth and, a, and an H-back, so I can speak to both experiences. However, I speak my truth, and I'm trying not to care what other people's opinions are, especially on social media. I don't force them to follow me, and if they're offended or they're feeling hurt, they're on the wrong page. <laughs> so <laughs> just don't follow me anymore is what she, what she says. So. Um, but yeah, I think it's important to, to, to stress the pluses of a non-interventionist natural birth, but, but be sincere and say, listen, we always say that there's always a reason for interventions when there's a reason for interventions. Uh, and, that, and that sometimes nature takes its course a different way. So how people, re how people relate to other people's experiences it's sort of the analogy that I was thinking was if my neighbor has a, has an Aston Martin and lives in a 5,000 square foot house and I drive a Volkswagen and I live in an apartment, am I like feeling bad all the time because that person had some success that I didn't have? And the answer is no, I'm not. But if you are, then you have to really reevaluate your whole take on life. Yeah. It's that person's responsibility, really. Yeah, not yours. Right. So what would you say? What would you say? I've got more, I've got some more, I've got more wisdoms here. So what, but what would you say? Well, it's interesting because what came through was to read this quote from Marianne Williamson, who um uh she's an author and um a speaker, and um she actually ran for president. Um, and she's one of my favorites. And she says, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. You, your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And it's, and as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our perseverance automatically liberates others. And I think that, you know, that's one of the beauty, beautiful things about your courage to speak out about things is that other people feel the confidence to be able to do the same because they have, um, like I was saying earlier, we have these, this tribe of people that are like-minded and it gives us, um, the empowerment to, to really speak our own truth. And, um, I don't know. I just love that quote. And I feel like in this question, you're right. It's not one of those simple questions. It's much deeper. And, you know, last week, um, the clips and stuff that were put up on Instagram from our last podcast really was talking about like speaking from your heart. And I think that 
we need to just continue to speak our truth and to speak from our heart and to hope that we can inspire people to know that it is possible to have a beautiful birth. And just because someone didn't have that experience the first time doesn't mean that they might not share that with another woman or aspire to have something different the next time, you know, um, one of the great secrets that uh, one of my clients came in postpartum and said, no one ever talks about that. T- sometimes sex is better after having children. And I'm like, yeah, talk about it. Tell people this, because then this is a possibility. We don't have any problem talking about all of the negative things that can happen. So why aren't we talking about the beautiful things? So that would be my answer is don't dim your light and don't, don't shy away from someone feeling uncomfortable. It's their journey, as Dr. Stu was talking about, to be able to say, why do I feel uncomfortable when somebody has had something so beautiful? That's not your responsibility. You, of course, can be sensitive and caring about their experience, but um, that doesn't mean that you don't shine what it is for, your, for you to give in the world. You say these things so much better than I do. My that just that just dwarfs my Aston Martin and five thousand square foot house <laughs> analogy. Don't dim your own light. I just I love the way that you said that. Yeah. And you know what, Bliss? It's interesting that both you and I, the people asked us this question, and both you and I are confident enough to know that maybe we don't really have the answer, so we can seek it out from other people. We don't have to bullshit. We, you know, you went and looked stuff up and found this quote from Marianne, and I went and sought out help from my colleagues for these kinds of questions, because I want to give the best response I can. And it's, it's, it's not a sign of weakness to say you don't know something. Right. It's a sign of of strength. Yeah. And we people will never admit that they don't know stuff. And these types of questions can have many different interpretations. So, you know, like you said, it's not black and white. Yeah, I have a Marianne Williamson story real quick. Um, Years ago, she was running for Congress uh, before she Uh ran for president. Yeah. And I went to a fundraiser for her. Yeah. And it was at somebody's house. And uh, the the musical entertainment at the fundraiser was uh, Steven Tyler. And he sang Dream On, which is one of my favorite Aerosmith songs. So. It was, that was just, just a fantastic memory for me. Whenever somebody mentions Marianne Williamson, I can't, I can see Steven Tyler singing dream on. (laughs) Um, Speaking of uh, this, of sex, it's really interesting because one of the other people I reached out to is a friend of mine who not only is the cranial sacral person, but she's also a sex therapist. And she wrote this. She said, I would say that you describe this experience as an experience that women have access to throughout their lives whether it's in natural birth or discovering powerful orgasm during sex. We don't know when these experiences will show up, but we can, but we want to create an environment where they can emerge because we get so much out of them. Sometimes you're going to feel numb or be numbed or just get through an experience. But if we create safety and space for women to discover their power, they can do so in birth or sex, or I'm sure other settings as well. Birth isn't the only moment to discover this power, but it's certainly a great one to not deny women the experience. Love it. Beautiful. Right. And then one last thing on this one was um, my my friend and and colleague, uh, Dr. Flores, uh, Victoria, she reminded me that, you know, remember that there are cultural differences. 
yeah. you bring this up all the time. Mm -hmm. And she said um, that most women have a medicalized birth are doing okay, but there are women that have had experience and do aim for a more natural version based on their values. But to have a medicalized birth is not saying that you have condemned your child to a psychological illness or yourself to a bad birth. In fact, for many women in the Latin population, there is an acceptance that the medicalized version of birth is the safest way to deliver a baby. And there is so much gratitude for the physicians that make those decisions despite there being so many interventions. The low self-esteem or acceptance that the knowledge needed to make medical decisions is so grand, it's very accepted by some uneducated Latin women that they have no desire to make decisions about their health because they believe that their decisions will never be as good as those handed to them by the medical institution. So I think what she's trying to say is that our ideal isn't necessarily everyone's ideal. This is true. Right. That is absolutely true. Good stuff from good yeah. people. Right. Thanks for asking that question. Right. There's other people that I want to thank them as well, but I won't mention names, but several, several other people responded. And uh, when uh, all births are beautiful in their own way, even traumatic ones. Um, so it's, you know, there's always those that are going to be offended. There's nothing you can do about them. And you can't stop speaking what I said before, which is the truth, just because you might offend somebody. So, yeah. okay. Second question. Very similar, but slightly different. <laughs> like, like you and me. Okay. Uh, how We're do you more than slightly different, but that's I know that. I know. That was a joke. I can see your face. So uh, I'm lucky because I say this every week. Uh, I'm lucky I get to spend an hour, hour and a half with you uh, every week. We're lucky. So, yes. How do you help clients whose births, quote, didn't go as planned, unquote, and feel disappointed by their experience? And I'm going to I'm going to throw this one at you. <laughs> well, um, I think it's about listening and validating their experience, no matter what it is. And, um, you know, I was just sharing with, actually, I had the birth that I had recently, the, the mom and the grandmother who was at the delivery gave me some feedback about the doula. And I said, do you want to give her feedback or would you like me to? Because it's really important that we continue to grow and learn and how do we get better um in the work that we do if um we don't get feedback and so they said you know that they would like for me to give feedback to this this woman and um you know and I told her I said you know in this work that we do it's it's really difficult because we give so much of ourselves and so much time and sometimes people are still disappointed and so I think the most important thing is to, again, have that beginner's mind and really like open ourselves up to know that everybody is going to have a different experience. So it's validating their experience would be the very first thing I would say is just listening to them and um, letting them have a safe place to be able to communicate what's true for them. Um, and then the other part of it for me, when I'm working with somebody and this isn't necessarily about them giving me feedback. It's just about them sharing their experience is to remind people that we don't always know why our path takes us the way that it does. Um, you know, I've had many things in my life and in my path that didn't go the way that I expected beginning with the transport from the hospital to, I mean, from the birth center to the hospital to have 
many, many, many interventions as a young mom. And um, I didn't know why that was happening to me. I wasn't necessarily traumatized by the experience, but I was disappointed. Um, And then I was told that I wasn't probably going to be able to have another birth out of the hospital. So I spent many, many years believing that I wasn't going to be able to have that kind of experience. Um, And then my path took me to being an advocate for midwifery and then becoming a, a, an owner of the sanctuary. Um, and then finally becoming a midwife and getting to do this amazing podcast with Dr. Stu. So, you know, my 20 year old self that got transported from the hospital may not have ever imagined that my 50 year old self would be here. Um, but that I believe was part of the journey for me and being able to understand and have compassion for what it is like for a woman to, to dream about this experience and then have something not go the way that they expect it to. So I try and give them a bigger context of it, um, to be able to say like, you know, I know that this is really hard, but, um, there is a lesson in all of this for us if we're if we're open to it, if we're willing to look. And sometimes it may take a long time for us to be able to see the whole perspective of why. Everyone works through things that in, in a different way. And, and to say to somebody, you know, hey, you've got two healthy babies, get over it. Yeah. It's, it's about the dumbest thing that you can ever say to somebody. I, I'm thinking, you know, when, when you were talking, you, you, you mentioned the word listening, right? When I was thinking about active listening and I think uh-huh. you need to just listen. We can't, we can't know what's going on inside their head. We can't know exactly why they're disappointed when they had an outcome that you and I might see it as being a success and they're seeing it. Yeah. Not. And I'm thinking of one in particular where I, I, I helped a set of twins come into the world up in your area, up in Santa Barbara. And, um, uh, the first one had a cord prolapse. He needed a breach extraction. The second one had a vacuum but she got a home vaginal delivery of her twins. She got to stay in bed with her twins. She got to stay at home with her twins. She never had to go anywhere. She had the two weeks in bed. And when we came back to do a follow-up visit, I don't remember it was for a few days later, or maybe it was the two week visit, whatever. Um, she was really processing it because it wasn't the birth that she'd wanted. And uh, it struck me because for the two weeks that I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about, wow, I'm glad I didn't have a heart attack and I'm glad I'm still alive and breathing, but I've, we really got those babies out and we did a good job. And she was um, disappointed because it wasn't the plan that she'd had visioned in her mind. Yeah. And that that's one of the things too, that we have to be careful about is expectations. We talk about on the podcast almost every week about the secret to happiness is having like low or no expectation. Uh, when things, when your expectations don't get met, you're often left with, disappointment or sadness or something and everybody gets through it their own way so all we can do i think as a birth keepers birth workers uh, family members friends is is understand that this is what they're going through and be just be good active listeners and supportive yeah yeah and you know have empathy for their feelings because every one of us um can you know maybe we Maybe we don't give birth because we're men um, or haven't had a child yet or, uh, you know, haven't had that kind of experience. But we can all relate to things in our life that we were hoping would go a particular way that didn't necessarily happen the way that we expected it to, you know. (laughs) 
And so very big things and sometimes even little things and they'll, and they'll bother us for days. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and everybody has to work through it at their own pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and fortunately most of us do. Move, move through it. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I'm thinking about some of my own, my own things that, um, haven't necessarily gone the way that I expected and and the the spiritual um practice that I really go back to over and over again is acceptance and acceptance can be very freeing you know once you get there but no one can no one can gift you acceptance it's it's a path that you have to walk down on your own to realize that like this is what happened and um when I'm able to accept that as the truth and move forward, that's when I'm able to really like be present in the now rather than in the past. Um, but again, that's something that we all um, have to get to in our own timing, you know? And we, if we go back to the question that we were just talking about before about shining your light, you know, when you can offer these potential, um, these potential abilities to accept and move on and, and, and integrate these lessons into our life to someone else, they may not have thought about that, but you have to be very delicate with how you word that. Like you were saying, Stu, you don't want to just say, well, you've got two healthy babies, so move on. But you know, you can share from your own experience. Like I I've had heartbreak before too. And I understand that you're really disappointed and maybe sometime down the road, there'll be um, some acceptance and some freedom for you, but I'm here for you. And I'm willing to listen anytime that you want to talk about this. I had a really uh, good friend. Well, she became a good friend, um, but she had had uh, a traumatic um, first home birth transport cesarean. And before she had her HVAC, it was about two years in between. Every time I saw her, she needed to process what had happened. She needed to talk about it. She often cried about it. And, and, um, and so I, you know, if you're able to, not everybody is able to have that kind of time or relationship with somebody, but if you, if you have the ability to have that space to say, if you need to talk about this again, I'm here for you. Um, cause that can be, sometimes people just need to be heard. Yeah. And, and when you say you said acceptance, uh, again, I think that's the last stage in the, in the, in dealing with grief too, right? Yeah. The grief cycle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The grief cycle. Um, I forgot to mention that, uh, that I did vote for Marianne for Congress because Steven Tyler played dream. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. Um, uh, I'm, I'm an easy, I'm an easy vote to get. Okay. Uh, <laughs> We should wrap up, but I've got, uh, so I want to just end with this little segment here. Um, I have been noticing, this is a, a, a sort of an optimistic segment with a little bit of annoying stuff mixed into it, but I've been noticing lately that there seems to be an increase in awareness of our, of what's going on in medicine in general, but in obstetrics specifically. And it's maybe because we are in the center of the, of the hurricane, you and I, and I, but I just am getting more and more contacts from people, more and more questions, inquiries. Um, there's just, um, there just seems to be more. And so I think that this is a really good thing. And along that vein, um, 
I think it was Marin who sent me something and I want to just read that. And then I have a couple of thoughts on it. Um, there will be those that lead humanity into the new world and those that try to hold on to the old ways. You are part of the spiritual spearhead piercing through established and unhealthy paradigms. Do not be disheartened by absence of support at first, nor by risk, or the possibility that the birthing of your idea into the world may take a longer time than you'd wished. Do not be concerned if most do not yet understand where you are coming from, or if resources are scarce at this time, as other more recognized or conventional points of view are granted more support in the world. Have faith, because once the time has come for the alternate view to take root and grow, the success shall be swift and far-reaching. Persevere and keep your faith in the right outworks of all matters according to a higher plan. Time is working in your favor, so don't resist it. The oracle comes with divine promise. Your time shall come. Systems and belief structures based on disempowerment and inequality will ultimately fail. Perhaps not by one grand strike of love's army, but rather through the continual expression of new ideas that challenge the status quo, call attention to truth, and invite an inspired vision of new way that honors all from its place of spiritual equality. This is love in action, chipping away at which would otherwise enslave the human soul in fear. It starts within us, is the movement of consciousness destabilizing the old ways of domination and darkness, paving the way for the emergence of a new consciousness of wisdom, discernment, and love. Beautiful. Marin wrote that or she just sent it No, she, she copied it out of a book. I love it. Um, well, I wanted to say- There's I a looked, point. Go ahead, you go. I looked up the name because I, I felt embarrassed. So I wanted to say, Marin, I'm so sorry. But um, Indie Birth Sanctuary and Center for Sacred Life is um, the project that we're supporting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you I'll, you ask me that next week. I still won't remember. <laughs> it's too. Okay. okay. But I want to I, I end by noting the passing of- um, I always get choked up with others. Uh, Dr. Vladimir Zelenko. You know who he is? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. He, he died recently of cancer. And um, the American Association of Physicians and Surgeons put out a, a statement that was glowing and warm and loving, an obituary. And somebody wrote me back saying that the mainstream media has done nothing but trash this man in his, in his obituary, in his death. And what he did was he came up with this Lenko protocol. He saved probably thousands of lives using hydroxychloroquine, zinc, and azithromycin uh, early on in the COVID thing. I mean, he's obviously done many, many, many other great things in his life. Uh, he was very well-renowned. He was a Nobel Prize nominee. He um, advised Israel. Um, but the mainstream media and uh, social media, a lot of them are pissing on him. And you just, you know, the idea that you do that in someone who passes. So um, our friend, Mickey Willis, put out a video, which people should watch. Uh, when he interviewed him for, uh, for Plandemic, uh, he had some clips and he played the clips. But uh, Mickey says this, of all the extraordinary humans I've had the honor of befriending through my work, Dr. Vladimir Zelenko, or Zeb, as we call him, shines like no other. He's a man of unshakable faith, love, compassion, integrity, and courage. Zev was one of the first and loudest family physicians to speak out against the suppression of safe and effective medication. 
As a result, he saved countless lives worldwide during a time when he was desperately fighting for his own. I had the honor of conducting several deep interviews with him, but it was his final interview that went the deepest. Knowing that his time was finite, he wanted to leave a message for his children. And for all of us. Um, and I watched the video and you can find it on plandemic.com. Um, but he talked very simply and something that gave me goosebumps was he talked about the ex when he said the ecstasy I felt when I felt the breeze, the breeze on my cheek. And he said, it's not how long you have lived, but what you do with the time. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's a very famous quote that's in movies. Um, and, but, so for pop culture people in the Batman movie, they said, you know, it's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. And that would apply to Dr. Zelenko. And then also in Lord of the Rings, uh, when uh, uh, Frodo is worn out because of the dealing with the ring, and all that stuff. He says, I wish the ring had ever come to me. I wish none of this had ever happened. Mm. And Gandalf says, uh, so do all who see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we can decide is to, what to do with the time that is given to us. Beautiful. So. He must have he known that his time was short and he, want, he had so much courage to continue to speak his truth and and to help people in the way that he, you know, his soul was calling him to. And that in, in a lot of ways is a gift to know and to be able to have clarity, to be able to, to speak what was true for you. But the truth is, is that we never know. He had the gift of knowing we, we never know. So we, we have to, we don't have to, but I invite you to give uh, your gift as boldly and passionately as you possibly can because what else do we have really to offer each other besides love and our truth yeah and he didn't live to see the 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 um the inevitable fruits of his labor but he changed the world lives on mm -hmm. so rest in peace yeah i'm Ooh. giving you a big virtual hug still yeah, Thanks. these things, these, you know, these things get hard for me to talk about. Yeah. Can you well, say why? I, I, I love honesty. I love truth. Mm -hmm. I love life. I see so much unnecessary turmoil. Yeah. The guy saved lives, but because he wasn't part of the agenda, as that thing I read from Marin just a minute ago, um, we're going we're gonna to piss on him in life and we're going to piss on him in death. And these are people that want us to follow them. Fuck that. Yeah, rest in, rest in peace, Dr. Zelenko. You're a hero to many. Thank you, Stu. Okay, so see you next week, Bliss. Have fun with your kids. Okay, bye-bye. Bye, everybody. 
Thanks for listening to the Birthing Instincts podcast. We know that we all lead busy lives, so we are extremely grateful that you give us an hour of your time each week. If you enjoyed this episode, please share. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for the latest updates and reviews. To help others join us, you can find Dr. Stu at Birthing Instincts and Bliss at Birthing Bliss Midwifery on Instagram. 